0: Hello and welcome to the F2 Show. I'm your host Fraser Ford and I'm joined today by Inside F2 editor Hannah Prifford and Inside F2 writers Luke John Buckle and Lawrence Griffin. Coming up on the show, we look ahead to this weekend as Formula 2 returns to Sochi for round 6 of the 2021 season. City season is coming to an end and the driver market is slowly falling into place. We examine who from our Formula 2 grid is going where. And Formula 1 moves to Agora Drive in St. Petersburg for 2023. Should Formula 2 be joining them? We discuss all. All of that to come then, but Luke, I want to come to you first. First time we've had you on the show since Bahrain, which seems ages ago now. What have you made of the season so far?
1: Yeah, it's been a really good season. Typical F2, really uh, good racing, lots of overtakes. Interesting with the uh, new form three races per weekend. I think over the course of a weekend, it adds more entertainment, but with the long gaps... Uh, over the course of a season, race by race, it can sort of take the take the momentum out of the season, really. But I've been really enjoying the battle between Piastri and Joe. Uh, they've done really well, especially Piastri, in his first year. He's been on top of Schwartzman and guys like Porsche winning in Monaco. So it's been a really good season, hopefully into Russia and uh, the, the two rounds after that should be really good.
0: Yeah, hopefully it continues. And Hannah, you're back from your holidays. Did you still manage to keep up with all the Formula 2 action in Monza
2: whilst you were away? Of course. I don't think I could miss it for the world. Even I made the family watch it whilst we were out and about and in the caravan. But I'm certainly glad I didn't miss it. It was a brilliant weekend in Monza. We knew it was going to be a bit chaotic, especially given the qualifying format. But to see the likes of Oscar Piastri taking victory again... Joe's double podium and seeing people like Jay Handaruvel as well take a victory this season, it's first the year so far. I think it highlighted some of the best that's to come in the championship battle, and especially we needed some good performances from them, and they certainly delivered. And who can forget Dan him charging through the grid in the feature race? I think he was probably one of the standouts of the weekend, and now I'm looking forward to seeing what the action's like in Sochi.
0: Yeah, so much action last time out, Lawrence. Great to have you back on the show again. More of the same this weekend, right?
3: Yeah, hopefully so. It would be it would be nice, wouldn't it? Hopefully um, a few less yellow flags. You know, that was a shame to see it interrupt um, procedures so, so often last week, uh, last race weekend, and, you know, put a, a premature end to one of the races. We don't want to see that again. Um, but yeah, hopefully if it's full of action like the last race was and like the last time out in Sochi was back in 2020, then uh, yeah, we should be in for a fun weekend and plenty to talk about at the end of it as
0: well. Yeah, fingers crossed. A brilliant weekend last time out. Let's take a look at the championship standings then as we head into Sochi. Oscar Piastri extended his lead at the top of the standings to 15 points in Monza. However, a strong weekend from Guan Zhou keeps him in contention. Robert Swartzman will be hoping to put the pressure on the top two with a strong weekend this weekend. And Yuri Vips fell outside of the top five in Monza. He'll be hoping to have a much stronger weekend this weekend. And the team standings... Frame a strong weekend in Monza means they'll take a 69-point lead into this weekend. They'll take some catching towards the end of the season. Carlin had a strong weekend last time out. They moved up in eight points. of UNI Virtuosi, High Tech, and ART round out the top five. Home event this weekend then for Robert Swartzman, Lawrence. Can he use that to his advantage and start, you know, gaining on the top two of the standings?
3: Yeah, I think he'll he'll really hope so. And, you know, maybe that home advantage could be what he needs to, you know, spark that form in him because so far this season, he perhaps qu- hasn't quite lived up to the hype going into the season. I think perhaps an unfair amount was actually expected of him given the, the other talent that we have in this field. But yeah, um, there is pressure on him to perform this weekend. His teammate has been so consistently good. And so unless some sort of misfortune befalls Piastri or Joe, um, he needs to be almost flawless this weekend. Um, I think key to his performance will be qualifying. He only qualified 12th last time out in Monza. If he can do better than that, he can set up a really solid weekend. Yeah, and in front of his home fans, it would be great to see him do better. And, you know, a three-way title fight is always more exciting than a two-way title fight. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can he can produce this weekend.
0: Yeah, a really important weekend for Robert Sportsman. Obviously, Oscar Piastri extended his advantage last time out. Luke, I suppose he'll be looking for a similar weekend, right? Any we more of the same?
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, finally getting the feature race win. And it's looking very good for him at the top of the championship. Extending his lead over Joe. And with three rounds to go, now it's looking very good for him. And uh, also, he's a rookie this year. He's won uh, Formula Renault F3 last year. And he's... Uh, May could make it uh, three championships in a row this year. So he's doing very well. And he's also getting the better of Schwartzman, a more experienced teammate. So yeah, he's doing really well.
0: Yeah, really good job from Oscar Piastri. We have a question from at Power of Check on Twitter who asks, do you think Piastri will keep his championship lead after this round or will Joe and Schwartzman get ahead of him? Luke?
1: Uh, difficult to say I think it depends a lot on qualifying we saw Piastri get pole last time and getting the crucial four points so if Piastri can get pole again this time it'll help but with the reverse grid it makes it so unpredictable so I think it all depends on qualifying keeping your nose clean in the first race and also in, in the third race as well and just not going over the top really if you get fifth and that's all we can get. Don't try and push over the top for fourth and third. Just get the, the points and offer and see uh, instead of uh, getting it into uh, the barriers and all that.
0: Yeah, there's something we've seen Oscar Piastri do so often this season and in Formula 3 last season is that consistency, isn't it? Which is so, so important in this championship. And we have a similar question from At Armand Dalmia on Instagram who asked, how many drivers do you think still have an actual shot of winning the championship, Lawrence?
3: probably probably only three i would say um just the top three at the moment realistically i mean a perfect weekend is worth 65 points if you factor in qualifying and fastest lap only vips has won two races in the same weekend so far so that ever occurring is unlikely but it just illustrates how many points are on offer Mm -hmm. and how quickly things can turn especially if one of the top two leaders has a retirement in the first sprint race and a bad qualifying, you know, you qualify outside of the top 10 yet caught up in incidents at turn one, perhaps, especially at Sochi, when it's such a big pinch point there, then you're, you've got a bad starting position again for the feature race and, you know, you're pretty much out of the running for the second sprint race. Um, So I would say mainly the top three um, but the likes of uh of Porchair and and Tictum behind are still within reach, but they really need to to string together a really strong uh few results in the last few uh race weekends because you know after this after this weekend we only have two rounds left. So we really are really are coming up to the uh to the pointy end of of proceedings here.
0: Yeah, all very tight at the top. And Terry Pochera as well, you know, had a really strong end to the Formula 3 season. So maybe he can do the same in Formula 2 this season. We'll wait and see. So let's talk about Guan Zhou and seemingly Formula 1 bound, Hannah.
2: He certainly looks to be, if his championship remains on track. Although, how long? I don't exactly know. This It's kind of funny, but the second Alpha Mio seat alongside Valtteri Bottas seems to have suddenly become hot property in recent weeks for the likes of Alex Albon, Nick De Rees and Quangio all being linked to the team. At the moment, he doesn't have the 40 super-license points required, but as long as he finishes fifth in the championship, he should make that no problem. And there is the additional clause that the FA brought in because of COVID, although that probably wouldn't apply to him given that he did the Asian F3 championship earlier this year where he got 10 of his 29 points. I think, probably ironically for him, the two biggest stumbling blocks are the two rookies of Teo Boucher and Oscar Piastri. Piastri, Alpine stable stablemate, currently outperforming him and leading the championship. And Teo Buscher, the 18-year-old Frenchman, has lit up the Formula 2 grid this year in his rookie season, and rightfully so. No wonder if professors have been impressed with him and his potential that he could bring. And if reports are to be believed, Joe's not happy with a one-year contract on offer. Boucher has previously said that his performances in Mons and Sochi will decide his future. If it's true, I understand Joe's frustration, given that Alpine have once again overlooked their juniors as they seem to continue to do. But I can't fault off Mayo for wanting to use their academy to properly shape their future in F1. In the end, there's risks either way. Joe could be beaten by Piastri to the title and it might hamper his reputation because of that sponsorship as well. Or Alpha risk taking a rookie in the same way Alpha Tyree did with y- Yuki Snowder, who's continued to struggle. I can ultimately see Joe getting the seat but I can't see him on the grid long-term, ultimately. I think whether, given the success of Piastri, will he have a long-term future when Alonso retires and swap over to Alpine? I think it's a one-year contract or bust for him, to be honest.
0: Yeah, let's wait and see. And obviously, Lawrence, Oscar Piastri, Robert Swartzman, is it, are, they, are they unlucky to miss out on seats? Bearing in mind, Zhou is getting a or potentially is getting a seat.
3: I think, I think, you know, especially Oscar Piastri would surely be feeling really hard done by to, to miss out on a seat, having won Formula Renault, Formula three, and then if he wins Formula two this season to win those three series on the trot. And, you know, that's, that's something we see very, very rarely. And the few drivers that achieve those sorts of results usually go on to Formula one, Um so I think he could definitely lay a very strong claim to a to a Formula One seat, but there would be nothing um wrong with him sticking around in for Formula Two for another season. There are other options such as Formula E, um, even IndyCar, but that Formula One seat is gonna be what he what he really wants. Um so you know he'll just have to keep looking for for opportunities. What he mustn't avoid, I think, is a sort of a um, calamai lot like situation where you you find yourself without a race seat because you want to put yourself right at the forefront of whatever motorsport you're you're doing. You want to remind those team bosses exactly how talented you are if you want to continue to progress. Um, so fingers crossed for Piastri that you know he gets what he deserves for his for his efforts, and for Schwarzman as well. I think with you know, team bosses have only a few drivers um, who they can give seats to and you do need to perform at that top level and maybe he's slightly underperformed this season and hasn't yet quite done enough to convince um, the, the bosses at, at Ferrari or in, in the academy or other Formula One teams that he's um, got what it takes at this point. Um, but like we've said, there are still rounds to go. He was brilliant in his rookie season last year and he has still been performing well, so anything can happen.
0: Yeah, yeah, really interesting. Uh, at Ben Tall eighteen on Instagram asked, without pin keeping Alonso and Ocon, and obviously two of their drivers, uh, the the top two in in Formula Two what's their, you know, what's their, what's their plan? Will Piastri obviously go and be a development driver for the team in 2022, similar to what Esteban Ocon did at Mercedes in 2019? You've just said potentially, maybe that's not a good option because, you know, you you don't want to put yourself in a similar situation to, as you say, Callum Eilat this year when he's had a year out and people have not forgotten about him, but, you know, they've, other drivers come along, don't they? If, if, if Victor Martins, for example, or Kaya Collette get the jump up to formula two next season and do really well, then, you know, who, who's Oscar Piastri? We've got this guy, you know, what, what's, what's the best thing for, for those guys to do? I think that's a, that's
3: a difficult, um, that's a difficult one for Alpine. You know, there has been discussion of, of the Alpine Academy and what level of opportunity it is giving its, its drivers because, Joe got his first test earlier this season um, at Austria, his or his first outing on a on a on a Formula One weekend, and as until now there hasn't been that much opportunity for progression. You know, it's a very new um, academy, but with Ocon potentially looking. Um, looking elsewhere in the future who knows but he probably is tied long term um, to Alpine, the more likely seat to become vacated is Alonso's um, just purely because of his age, the rate at which he's performing mind, you, you know he could be around for, for many more years with the, the quality of his driving so yeah you could imagine you'd feel a bit disheartened being an Al- Alpine Academy driver seeing those two really quality drivers occupying Formula 1 seats but as we've seen with Albon to Williams with with Jo been linked to Alfa Romeo. There are always options elsewhere. Contracts can be signed and ripped off, ripped up um, pretty quickly. So fingers crossed for for them, and hopefully Alpine do at some point manage to capitalise on that talent that they've you know been fostering for so long in in the junior junior
0: series. It's an ironic problem, isn't it? Because it's, you know, they're lucky to have that problem, but at the same time, they don't have any seats for the drivers, in, and then the drivers are the ones that miss out, aren't they? So it's a really complicated issue. Um, obviously, Hannah's already re- alluded to it, Luke. Theo Porsche, obviously, the other driver linked to the Alfa Romeo seat, obviously, with his sabotage, you know, with Joe potentially signing a one year deal as it looks. Is that with a way of view to Theo Porsche potentially being in the car in 2023?
1: Yeah, I'd say so. Um, Porsche has done really well. I mean, Formula Three last year and winning in Monaco before he left school this year. I mean, he's only eighteen. He won in Monaco in May and left school over the summer. And he's done really well. Let's see how he gets on in Sochi and uh, the remaining two rounds, remaining three rounds in uh, 2021. And he's with a good team, ART. And uh, next year could be. uh, him challenging for the championship, maybe whether he uh, moves teams or sticks to ART, I guess that remains to be seen. And if he keeps delivering, why not? I mean, he's doing really well. And uh, Valtteri Bottas could be the perfect drive for him to learn from in uh, 2023. And especially with the uh, new rule, Formula 1 rules coming next year, you need a bit of a, an old head and a bit of a, bit of a young talent.
3: Um, yes absolutely with the new formula one regulations as well perhaps that strengthens Antonio Giovinazzi's hand a little bit as the team progresses it would be helpful to have somebody who has that knowledge of of the team and Giovinazzi has been performing so strongly in in recent races albeit with a bit of misfortune on on the first lap in Monza so you know potentially Alpha could be looking at retaining him keeping him for another season seeing through the transition to the new regulations and then taking Pia- um, sorry, taking Porcher um, in a year's time after he's matured further and really shown what he's got in Formula 2 perhaps.
2: I agree with both Lawrence and Leopold on that one, but I think Antonio Giovinazzi's position is kind of the similar one to, to Callum Lots in the sense that they're both probably going to be victims of Ferrari no longer having control of that second seat ultimately. Sauber and Alfa are in a position now where they're going to decide their own future and I think Pochette is probably the ideal one to put forward for that for me he's shown the talent that he needs to he's shown that sense that he can grow as a driver although I will be finding it slightly ironic if he turns out the max for and he drives a Formula One car before he passes his driving license. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that would be good. Look, it's, it's a little bit early to say, but would you say he's a title contender next season? Obviously, it's difficult when we don't know who's going to be on the grid, but would you, would you say, you know, he almost has to win the title if he wants to be in Formula 1 in 2023?
1: Yeah, I'll tell you, Porsche will be up there for the title next year in Formula 2. He's done really well this year. It looks like he's got the talent for it. And of course, going into his second season next year, we'll have the extra year of knowledge with the Pirelli rubber, which is notoriously difficult to get a knack of. And uh, he should have a good team, whether it's ART or someone else. He should have a top team. And it's sort of like him delivering, keeping his head down, keeping consistent. And he should be up there. Yeah, we'll wait and see.
0: We'll see how the rest of this season unfolds before then. OK, a few other drivers that potentially moving away from Formula 2 next season. Ralph Boschung has tweeted this week saying... Uh, big decisions to make in the next few weeks obviously his biggest fan and friend of the show Jim Kimberley thinks that means he's on his way to Mercedes to replace Lewis Hamilton in in 2022 is it fair to say that we're expecting him to look elsewhere Hannah away from Formula 2 potentially driving GT?
2: It's fair to say it probably is likely to move to GT or into the sports car series I can't really see him going over to IndyCar in the same way it looks like Christian Lundgaard could be Possibly, and obviously, Carl Myers uh, over there at the moment competing. But I think a G team is probably the most likely, considering the financial situation he's in. We know we've heard all season long the struggles these drivers are having to find funding. And also, I don't think a Formula One seat's likely for him as much as Jim would love him to get one. I think also for him, it's got to be a move away. And it's thing is, I think a lot of people see it as Formula One or bust. And it was interesting, Roman Grosjean t- speaking about IndyCar saying that kids dream of Formula One. But drivers shouldn't be ashamed to look elsewhere. There's great opportunities in other grids, whether it's GT, form with the E IndyCar or even heading over to World Endurance. We've seen Nick DeVries do it and do well there. So I think probably okay. gonna be but I'm glad we've had another season to get to see him to show his talents because I think it's only bumped his reputation up more, the things he's been managed to, managing to do this season.
0: Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see where they all end up. I think you're right. I think we could have a few departures. And I saw this question on Instagram and I thought, yeah, wow, this is a really good question. So at smart underscore Bart's on Instagram asked, do you think Red Bull will send j to D to DTM next year to replace Alex Albon? That is a really good question. And actually, I think it's a really good idea. So Helmut Marco, if you're listening, I think that's a great idea. Get Jayhan in that seat. What do we think, Luke?
1: Possibly. I mean, there's a lot of traffic in the Red Bull programme there in a minute, because you've got the Formula 1 team, well, AlphaTauri, the Formula 1 team, Pierre Gasly, Newcastle, they locked in for next year. Got Liam Lawson, Yuri Vips in Formula 2, doing OK, doing a good job, not fighting for the championship this year, but maybe in the next year or the year after, could be up there. So why not? He could do, he'd probably do a good job in DTM Albonz, I think he's won, he's won a race in DTM, so he'd do a good job. And it's something a bit different for him. Formula One, maybe won't happen for him in the next year anyway. There's a lot of traffic in the Red Bull programme. So, uh, yeah, it could happen.
0: Yeah, I I, kind of hope so, because I really like Johan Derubla. And I think it's a great idea. Lawrence, what do you think? Would you like to see Johan Derubla in DTM replacing Alex Albon? Yeah, why not? I
3: mean, um, like Luke says, there are, of course, other people in that. In that Red Bull program, you know, um, Yuri Vips might might fancy that, or whether he'd be able to take being Liam Lawson's teammate everywhere he goes might not be uh, (laughs) might not be ideal for him. You know, Um, everybody everybody likes a bit of change. You know, you don't want to get the ick with your teammate, Um, but you know that could be that could be really interesting to see uh, another Formula Two driver over in over in DTM we've spoken a lot about the the gaps in this series and being able to do that racing in between is you know Liam Lawson's been doing plenty of it in DTM so that might be really great for for Deruvla to to keep that sharpness up in between the gaps and also to make to make links with other other teams and show his talent in DTM so that that can always be like Hannah's just spoke about an option to go to if your aspirations in Formula One or, or even elsewhere don't quite pay off. DTM is a, is a brilliant series. And if you've got a feel for it, and if the teams there have seen your quality, that might be a really good alternative or a really good career path for them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's really good to see that Formula One teams are creating these other opportunities. They're not just getting rid of their drivers. Obviously, Red Bull in DTM, Ferrari potentially going into GT as well. There's some really good options for their young drivers. So really good to see. And, you know, I think Liam Lawson, who I think we're expecting to, to see in Formula Two again next season, but he has done a brilliant job in DTM this season. So good stuff. So moving on then it's the fourth time Formula 2 has raced at Sochi. Beautiful venue, Lawrence. What are your thoughts on the Sochi circuit?
3: I think it's a it's a really interesting circuit. It's I believe it's one of the the Tilka circuits as they as they're known. Um, Formula 1 has had some some issues there in terms of the action just purely due to the amount of sort of 90 degree, you know, downforce heavy corners right before that main straight, which is the principal overtaking opportunity on the circuit. But Formula 2 just hasn't seemed to struggle quite as much with that. You know, looking back over last year's racing, we saw Schwarzman overtake into the into the penultimate bend, I believe it was, which is, you know, quite a rare opportunity if you're struggling that much with downforce in the dirty air of the, of the car ahead. And we've seen overtakes around the outside of, of that long left-hander turn three, um of course in the sprint race that didn't go to plan and caused quite a nasty accident which we you know don't want to see repeated but um in the feature race i believe it was uh yuki sunoda going right around the outside of turn three so it really has the potential to produce some some really spectacular racing so hopefully that's what we can see again again this this year
0: Yeah, fingers crossed. So we've got three races to look forward to. So hopefully it can produce some good racing and obviously looking forward to 2023, Luke, the Russian Grand Prix, moving to St. Petersburg. Uh, Formula Two obviously has been in Sochi for the last few years. Could it potentially go with Russia or with Formula One over to uh, St. Petersburg? Would you like to see that? And what are your thoughts of the circuit? Do you think it would suit Formula Two
1: cars? Yeah, I think it could happen. I could see Formula Two racing around Agora Drive. It's a decent circuit. I mean, it's a decent lap lap length. It reminds me pu- purely from a track map perspective from uh, Alabama's Barber Motorsports Park, which is uh in IndyCar that was uh, earlier this year. That was a pretty cool track. It's kind of like a mini Algarve, but Agora Drive. It's uh, it might be a bit difficult to overtake. The straights aren't that long, and there are a few high speed corners. And they've also they're going to add. A uh, little new section there around the the uh, end of the lap, which looks a bit slow, a bit technical. But um, Formula 2 always creates good racing everywhere it goes. So I think it'll be a good track. I mean, the track itself is uh, a bit longer than Imola, a bit shorter than Miami. So it's not exactly a short lap, but it's not the uh, Nordschleife either. So it should be a good track.
0: Hannah, Lawrence, Luke, thank you very much for joining us on the show today. And thank you to you guys at home for watching as well. If you've enjoyed the show, please make sure you give it a like, hit the subscribe button for more track guides and, of course, content from the F2 show. We'll be back next week to dissect all of the action from Sochi, so please keep an eye out for that. But from me, Fraser Ford, and all of us here at Inside F2, we'll see you next time.